Welcome to episode 53 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumer consumers from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. 
New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 53 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am doing fabulously. I just spent the day changing over my closet for springtime. Which is your favorite season, right? Or summer is? Yes. Well, I love spring and I love summer. And so it's it's finally, I think, at the, the time of the year where we can just say, okay, it's not going to be cold again. We'll see, I hope. <laughs> but it was fun trying on everything. You know, you probably remember years ago before you found intermittent fasting, you know, when the change of the seasons would come, you would have to think, are things going to fit? You know, are, are my clothes all going to fit when I pull them out? Have you ever experienced that? Yes. Or like specially prepping for summer. <laughs> yeah. And so it's fun now. Instead of thinking, you know, my clothes are going to be too tight when I pull them out, I actually have to, every time, every season, there are always some things that are a little bit too big now. So <laughs> even in maintenance, I'm continuing to to get slowly smaller. So um I found my bathing suits no longer fit, which is interesting. Yeah, I bought yeah, I bought them all um when I hit goal in 2015. So it's been 3 years since I bought most of them. And so now um I'm going to have to go bathing suit shopping. Good problem to have, right? It's a wonderful problem to have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what's new with you? So many things. Um, <laughs> I signed a lease on an, apart- on an apartment finally. Yay! I, I just had an epiphany yesterday. I realized I've been pretty much moving every single day for five months. Because I basically have moved something every day for the past five months. Wow. Like from storage? Yeah, it was first from Atlanta to here. That took a few months and I, because I just kind of took my time. And then from my storage unit to my apartment here, and now it'll be from my apartment here to the new apartment. Wow. That is a lot of moving. I'm so over it. You'll be ready to be settled. Over it. (laughs) I haven't moved since 2005. So that tells you something. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I had never stayed in one place for this long, but we've been in this house since 2005. And We love it, so hopefully we'll be here for a long time to come. We'll see. Well, that works. (laughs) (laughs) I also have a uh, new podcast recommendation for listeners that actually a listener wrote in to us and recommended that I check out this podcast, and I'm obsessed with it. Well, what is that? It's called the ATP Projects Podcast. So I think the ATP Projects, project or those people they actually make they make health supplements and stuff like that but their podcast is phenomenal and I'm I'm obsessed and it has like everything about gut health and just energy and so they have an intermittent fasting episode I actually haven't listened to yet but I really recommend it oh that sounds very interesting the first episode I listened to was the one about the acid versus alkaline debate, but it actually really went into a really interesting overview of the entire workings of digestion and the gut from like when you eat until 
until the uh, the other side <laughs> and um <laughs> it was fascinating for all the listeners who struggle with uh actually or even if you don't struggle but any listeners interested with gi the workings of the gi tract so what did they what it was the um the verdict of acid versus alkaline what did they say it was really interesting it was basically saying what a lot of a lot of people say that it's not so much a thing it's at least not with when you're eating food because um when you eat the food in the stomach it automatically becomes acidic like it, it that's just that the stomach is acidic so the stomach makes it acidic and then it becomes alkaline again in the short in, in the small intestine but something they pointed out that was interesting i don't I don't know, I guess this is true. They said that the more acidic the stomach is, it preps the small intestine to make more digestive enzymes and become more alkaline in a way. So by becoming more acidic, you also become more alkaline. It was really interesting. Yeah, that does sound very interesting. I've, of course, you know, heard both sides of it. People who are like, oh, yes, this makes you this way. And people who are like, no, that's nonsense. <laughs> so it would be interesting to hear hear how they explain it. I do feel like there might be something slight, slightly to it. But overall, in general, I think it's um, not so much a thing, especially alkaline water. Right. It may be one of those things that we – we can't affect as much as we think we can based on what we input. And it's probably true that if you're eating like all acidic, I'm sure that's going to do something. And if you're eating all alkaline, that probably does something. But yeah, we should have an episode on this. <laughs> I'll have to do some studying. <laughs> all right. So shall we get started? Sure. Well, first we have some feedback from listener Anne-Marie. And the subject is The Missing Tweak. Anne-Marie says, Hi there, Jen and Mel. Love your podcast. I discovered you sometime in spring of 2017. So side note, that sounds like she's been with us for a year because we have just finished a year of podcasts. Oh, right. Yeah. Crazy. Episode 53 means that we are officially have done 52 weeks. So this is the first one of the second year. Just thought I'd throw that out. So... Anne-Marie sounds like you've been with us from the beginning. So she goes, goes on to say, thanks for the input and research. I am as interested as they come on all topics IF, but as lazy as the day is long, so I appreciate your work tremendously. I am a longtime IFer. I have a tweak for those who have been persistent with IF but struggled with weight loss that I don't think you have mentioned yet. If you have and I missed it, sorry, disregard. I found that I did not have success with IF for weight loss until I added in two to three full 24-hour fasts into my week. I do not have to have 24-hour fasts to maintain my weight. My daily window is 5 to 10 p.m., so 19.5 works great for maintenance. But I can't stress enough that no matter what I ate, paleo and keto, even calorie-restricted, or how clean I fasted, or how short my eating window, or how much I moved, I did not see any actual weight loss until I went and added in a full 24 hours without food a couple of times a week. Just for a little info on me, I am a 48-year-old woman who is in menopause and does work out daily. 
Hope this helps someone as that little tweak sure made all the difference for me. Thank you, Anne Marie. All right. So I love getting this email from Anne Marie. And I think that is a really good tweak, especially for people because a lot of people might have a, you know, a four hour window, a five hour window, and then they think that they need to, you know, completely switch to a smaller window or make, you know, one really big change. But I like what Anne Marie said about just adding, you know, a few 24 hour fasts per week. So I think that's a nice little Nice little tweak that you can try. As she said, her subject was the missing tweak. Um, Yeah, I think it's nice that you can always just throw in a longer fast here or there. By longer, I mean like 24 hours, not crazy, two days. (laughs) Um, What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is a great illustration of how it really is so personal. You know, for Anne Marie, menopausal, 48, probably a history of dieting. She needs a little more time in, you know, that that fasted state to hit her prime fat burning. So a couple 24 hours, 24 hour fasts a week, she's getting into that fat burning state and able to lose weight. And it it illustrates that this is not going to be the same for everybody. You know, there are people that do great with a 16-8 approach and they are able to lose the weight they would like to lose. And there are people who have a five-hour window every day, and they're able to lose the weight they want to lose. But for Anne Marie, she needed to have just a little bit more time a few times a week to get the results she wanted. So, you know, it sounds like, oh my gosh, 24 hours, I'm not eating at all. But really, you know, I have lots of days that this hat, well, not lots of days. <laughs> I'm mostly 19.5. But here and there, a few times a month, I'll be really busy. I'll have a meeting or something come up. And I may end up at about 24 hours. So it's not as drastic as you think. So if you're, um, if you'd like to try Anne Marie's tweak, I say go for it. You are still, you are still eating every day. You're just, you know, maybe one day you finish eating earlier, and the next day you just push it a little, a little longer that day. So you're not going to bed without eating. Is how what I was trying to explain. Exactly. Which actually, side note, yesterday I actually ate all day long out of curiosity. <laughs> and, um, well, because what I was going to try to do was do a, like a, like a daytime window mm-hmm. because of all of the, the Rhonda Patrick discussions and all of the, you know, the circadian. Dr. Panda. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And also, I was like, I'm still trying to figure out ways to eat more and more food to gain a little bit of weight, which has been massively frustrating. But in any case, um, so I was like, I'm just going to eat all day. First of all, it was not fun. No, it's not fun. (laughs) Or I guess not all day. I was going to do like, try to get multiple meals in, but during the daytime and then not eat right before bed and also try to get the autophagy or whatever when you're sleeping or whatever. Um, (laughs) It was a fail. I ate all day and then right before bed, I was like, yeah, I got to eat again. Yeah. I just can't do a day window. I I mean, if I, once I open my window, it's open. That's just it for me. Sounds like that's true for you too. It really is. So yeah. Yeah. if, If it's open, it's open. So it's just easier to not even open it till later in the day. <laughs> That's how I felt last Saturday. Did you feel just blah well, by the end of the day? I think I would have if I'd eaten something different. But I ate um, 
I basically ate <laughs> similar to my college diet. So I ate um, like chicken and coconut oil and MCT oil all day. And that was that was okay because the MCT oil was like really stimulating for the brain. But the but the protein makes me feel like once I eat protein, it's heavy and I feel more lethargic. So I don't know. Yeah, usually for me, the days that I end up eating all day, it's a special occasion. Like I'm at restaurants or it's a holiday. So for me, it's usually different food as well. And that, that probably leads to the feeling of, no, this is awful. Yeah, <laughs> definitely dampen my energy. How long had it been since you'd eaten early in the day? I don't know. I mean, I've been experimenting with opening my window earlier to try to get in multiple meals. But as far as like during the day day, I don't even, I don't, I don't remember. It's been a long time. Long time. Very interesting. <laughs> Super interesting. So I guess it's safe to say that neither of us are a daytime window kind of girl. I guess not. Something I might try is like a green smoothie with MCT oil during the day thing. Maybe just for like a month. I'm just trying to gain some weight. So I'm trying right. to find something that will maintain my productivity. And, but yeah, will maintain my productivity. And people yeah. say just eat more in your window. But at least for me, intermittent fasting is so amazing that I, I just don't gain weight. <laughs> Even adding right. more in the, in the nighttime window. So if that's a testimony to how effective. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the first question comes from Beth. Super short question. And the subject is lab change results. And Beth says, I would love to know if a lot of the people that do IF see dramatic changes in their lab results. I have high cholesterol and Hashimoto's, so my thyroid levels are off. I'm hoping that IF heals these issues because nothing has worked. Thank you. All right, Beth. So if you didn't listen already, last week's episode was actually all about the thyroid. So definitely check out episode 52 for all the information on that. But this really is a great question in any case about lab change results in general. And I definitely think that a lot of people with intermittent fasting see dramatic changes in their labs um, as far as the thyroid, as far as cholesterol, and as far as a lot of other things. Is that what you find in your group, Jen? Yes, in all sorts of ways. Um, and I just did a very quick search in both of the Facebook groups, just really quick. I just looked at it for like a minute and um, keyword thyroid. And in one group, I found 12 posts just right away where people talked about their um, improvements in their lab results or lowering of their, their medication. Their doctors had taking them down maybe half the dose or something. Um, and I found seven in the other group. So that was just like on a really quick search. People are reporting that their um, their lab values have changed so much that their doctors have decreased their thyroid medicine. So that's a good sign. Now, she also mentioned high cholesterol. And I would like to just say something that's pretty common in the diet world in general, not just intermittent fasting, but people will frequently start... Um, intermittent fasting, this also happens in the keto, low-carb world, they'll find that their cholesterol actually goes up 
And then they're like, oh my gosh, my cholesterol values are worse than they used to be now that I've started this plan. And it just is something that that commonly happens as a part of the fat loss process. So, um, Beth, we can't say, yeah, your cholesterol is going to, you know, immediately get better. It might actually get worse before it gets better. Talk to your doctor. Explain to your doctor that you're um, that you've changed what you're doing. Talk about the fact that you're losing fat, and maybe your doctor will be aware of that as an issue. Um, but yeah, you know, there have been many, many members who see results um, with their thyroid labs. And other things, too, of course. A1Cs going down over time. All sorts of different lab improvements. People who were, were diabetic and now they're they're not. People who were pre-diabetic and now they're not. It's really pretty remarkable, all the stories of healing. You know, I like to say intermittent fasting is a healing plan with the side effect of weight loss. So a lot of things get, get corrected in the body. All right. So yeah, so definitely check out that episode, Beth, last week. Um, And so for listeners, if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 53, that's where we'll put links to not only references, but also anything else. So I'll put a link to that prior episode. I'll put a link to the podcast I recommended in the beginning and all the other things. All right. Well, let's go on to the next question. And it is from Kelly. And the subject is hangovers. Kelly says, hi, Jen and Melanie. I wanted to say thank you for this great podcast. I am new to IF and I really feel like I've found a lifestyle for myself. I have been having great success with 16-8. See, there are people who have great success with 16-8 on everything in between. All right, back to the question. My question is about hangovers. I don't drink often, but last night I decided to drink four glasses of white wine. I have been feeling lousy all day and only managed to make it to 13 and a half fasted hours. I have been hungry all morning, which is not my usual state while fasting. My question is, does fasting with a hangover make it easier for your body to remove the toxins from the wine? Or would I be better off listening to my body when it's hungover and grab some grub? All right. So this is actually the first question I think we've received about hangovers specifically. I don't remember the last time. Well, I do remember the last time I had a hangover because that's when I stopped drinking hard alcohol and that was in college. That was about um, how many years ago was that? I don't know. It's been like six years. I hate hangovers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The last time for me was also hard alcohol. It was about... Um, it was November of 2017 was like a re- <laughs> the last one I really remember. That did not as long as long ago as yours, but it was the one that um, made me swear off of bourbon for life. It's amazing how that can happen. I wish that could happen with other things. I just so easily just dropped all the liquor after that. And, you know, that doesn't really work for other things. <laughs> yeah, if you tried to hand me a bourbon and Coke, I would run away. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the, the only other time that happened, it happened for me with um I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast, but raw cacao powder. Oh, uh-uh. I don't think so. One night I ate like a ton of raw cacao powder. I made like this chocolatey paleo whatever thing. And the next morning I felt Hung, it was terrible. I felt hung, I felt hungover. 
did that also have like coconut oil or anything in there like that? No. Okay. Because I had an experience with MCT oil that I took on an empty stomach one time and I'll never forget that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what do you, what do you recommend to Kelly? So I did do a little bit of research into hangovers and I think I find it really interesting. So the studies are, they don't really know exactly what causes hangovers. Uh, really? You'd think that they'd be like, it's from this, but it's more like there's like lots of theories and there's lots of reasons. See, I always thought it was like the dehydration. Yeah, dehydration. No, I even found one study that's like it's not just dehydration. And like one thing it said the dehydration was like separate from the hangover. I, so who knows? Like in one study, I'm just reading from something I copied. It said – um. The findings suggest that alcohol hangover and dehydration are two independent yet co-occurring processes that have different underlying mechanisms. But basically, hangover after alcohol overconsumption is no fun. And unfortunately, the main remedy for it seems to pretty much be time. Like you have to just wait it out. That said, dehydration is often a key factor, so you definitely want to make sure you're getting lots of electrolytes and, and refilling that hydration bucket in your body. So as far as whether or not you should eat or not, I couldn't find anything specific. I mean, fasting is great for removing toxins, but I think the main thing, you definitely want to make sure that you're hydrated. So you definitely want to be consuming, at the very least, um, electrolyte water, salt, even if you are going to do break your fast and do just a liquid route, you could do something like, I know it's really high in sugar, but coconut water, its composition is basically like the perfect electrolyte balance for our body. And it's been shown to be um, great for hangovers. So I don't have a specific answer. I would actually just say eat. <laughs> what do you think, Jen? Well, I have to correct myself from before. When I said it was November of 2017 that was the famous bourbon incident, that was actually November of 2016. I think I said 17. But then I just remembered a more recent hangover that I had. <laughs> so there was that November of 2016 bourbon event. And then December of this year, I went to the 12 bars of Christmas. I think I talked about it on the podcast. I forgot about the 12 bars of Christmas. Oh my gosh, I was so hungover <laughs> that day. And I always just eat, Kelly. I eat. And um, it's just the day, if, if I have a day like that, I am not fasting. So for me, you know, I was at my friend's house after the 12 bars of Christmas and I had a Coke and I, I like had to have the Coke always settles my stomach. I'm not a Coke drinker. Like I can't think of the last time. Well, actually, I think that was the last time I had a Coke <laughs> was December when I had this hangover. But um, it just made me feel better. And then we went out and ate and I felt way better. I just need to have food in my stomach. So to me, it's just something about the food that always helps. You know, my body says eat, I eat, then I feel better. So fortunately, this is few and far between. You know, you don't want to have this going on all the time if you're drinking a lot and having hangovers every week. You know, that's a <laughs> not something we would recommend. 
That made me think of a few other things. If you're going to have a Coke, then I would definitely say have the coconut water. <laughs> I need that fizzy Coke. That I need it. The fizz is important. Ugh, the fizz kills yeah. me. Ugh. I know you're Ugh. not a fizz girl, but not I need a fizz fan. it's like something about the Coke. I mean, I was talking to a friend who just had a stomach virus this past week. She's a teacher and she does not drink soda. And she was talking about how with her stomach virus, she had to drink Coke. I don't know what it is. I think it was like initially formulated as a remedy for upset stomach, but for some reason it just makes me feel better. I know it's not a good, a good choice, <laughs> not a healthy drink, but it's medicinal. There's also the idea that you need to eat food to soak up the alcohol, but just so you know, that doesn't affect – your body still has to process the alcohol either way. So I don't encourage people to, when they're <laughs> drinking, to use it as an excuse to go and eat just all the things while drinking. I mean, it happens, but just yeah. saying. And I, I will say food – I'm going to a little bit disagree with you because when I was having this 12 bars of Christmas hangover, it's because I did not eat enough. I really, for me, I, if I'm going to drink, I have to have enough food. And it was a really long day, as you can imagine. And the, we had like this dinner stop scheduled, but it was like not much food at all. So I just eventually got to the point where my friends were like, you just go into bed now. (laughs) They sent me home (laughs) with some other friends and I went to bed. And they, though, stayed out longer and then went and had, like, late-night food. So they were all fine the next day. And I was like, oh, I'm going to die. Because <laughs> they they felt better because they had eaten. So if I – I was like, why didn't you take me to eat instead of sending me home? I think I would have been okay. <laughs> For me, the key has got to be that food. Yeah, I guess what I mean is um, you can't cancel out alcohol with food. Oh, yeah. But you can feel better. You, it certainly helped me. Would have helped me feel better, I think. So I, that's a lesson, you know. The the time before that, the bourbon incident, same thing. I was drinking and I didn't have enough to eat. So it's it's just a, an example of how our bodies are different with intermittent fasting, as far as like the tolerance for alcohol. At least mine is. I can't I can't tolerate alcohol the, the same way. And then something else I'll throw out there. A lot of people find that as far as like wine goes, that when they switch over to organic and more pure wines, that 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 makes a huge difference for how they feel the next day, like a huge difference. So Jen and I, for example, um, we've had Todd White of Dry Farm Wines on the podcast before, and those are wines that are going to be organic and low sugar, low alcohol actually, and free of additives, which is a huge, huge problem with many of the wines today, especially in the U.S., because as you know, there are no labels on wines, and a lot of wines actually have a ton of additives that you wouldn't even realize, colorizers, added sugar, just lots of things. Um, so if you, if you actually go to dryfarmwines.com slash ifpodcast, you can actually get a free or a bottle for a penny with your first subscription, so that's a good route to go. Or even if you don't do that, I just recommend getting like organic wines like Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, things like that. And then also, just in case you're wondering, um, the uh, the clearer alcohols, so like pure vodkas, pure gens, those are actually associated with la- lower 
lower hangover rates than the, like the darker ones like brandy, whiskey, things like that. Caffeine in the morning can also help you feel better. There's this idea that drinking coffee actually sp speeds up the alcohol processing, but that's not true, but it can definitely make you feel better, especially in the next day. All right. Shall we move on? Yes. All right. So this is a doozy. <laughs> we have uh, four questions. Very similar. Very long. Here we go. <laughs> so the first question comes from Kat and the subject is binge-ish behavior. And Kat says, Hey ladies, I have a question about binge-like behavior with IF. I've been fasting now for almost two months. I started with a 5 p.m. to 12 p.m. fasting period, then moved to 7 p.m. to 2 p.m., then 9 p.m. to 6 p.m. I'm very active and have a minimal amount of weight to lose. I started IF hoping to get rid of some stubborn fat. Initially, I was trying to fit three meals in my feeding time, but it was a lot of food in a short amount of time, and as my window shortened, I tried to switch to a more one-meal-a-day style, which led to a feeding fest every single day. I'd finished my one-meal-a-day meal, which became increasingly starchy, and then immediately move on to a kale smoothie, which would lead to attacking a jar of peanut butter, and then a fistful of dates. And if you have one fistful of dates, why not fill the other with almonds? And wouldn't dark chocolate go great with dates and almonds? Next thing you know, I've eaten an entire head of broccoli, half a pineapple, and a cup of black beans. I look nine months pregnant and can't make it to the gym. Jin, is this something that's been discussed in your group? Melanie, you've talked about your feeding window as being filled with so much food. I remember you said you eat an entire pineapple. Is it possible this is just how much food my body needs? What do you ladies think is going on? I switched back to a 7 p.m. to 2 p.m. fasting window, but I'm still struggling with showing any form of self-control during my feeding window. All right, so that's question one. Question two comes from Ashley, and the subject is challenge me to improve, and Ashley says, I'm a big fan. I've done IF for several months and have slowly worked my way to 24 or 21.3, and I've been comfortable with this window for a few weeks now. I'm finally done counting calories, and I tell myself to eat to satiety. I open my window with a collagen supplement. No idea if it's helping my wrinkles, but that's another whole show. Followed quickly with a smaller dinner of meat, a fat source, and a veggie. Then the kids go to bed, and suddenly I'm hungry for the first time in the day. I'm a bottomless pit some nights. I maintain weight about five pounds higher than I'd like to, but I had to buy smaller bras today. <laughs> Binge foods are usually healthier, like veggies and avocado, raw nuts, air pop popcorn, and too much red wine. I work out HIIT style four to five days. It's stress relief and me time, and yoga maybe once a week. So maybe I'm hungry for a reason. Does my smaller dinner trigger bottomless pit syndrome or the workouts? Tell the newbies I'm seriously not hungry when I eat dinner after 20 hours. It sounds unbelievable, and you both have said this a few times as well. It's true. I feel bloated and guilty after late night munching so much, and I'm often several pounds higher for a few days after a binge, not to mention still five pounds above my goal weight. Talk some sense into me. The scale isn't moving. 
I eat like a junkie more than I want to admit after dark when nobody is awake. Kids are asleep. It's me time. Stress relief. Popcorn is life. And I deserve it after my workout and being 24 hours fasted. Other notable point is my regular period doesn't happen anymore, which doesn't bother me other than not knowing when hormone surges are the reason for, for the hunger and the weight gain. What can I improve? I love making small changes as I learn more about my body. Thanks. All right. Then the next question comes from Karen, and the subject is never satiated. And Karen says, I started my get healthy journey last October and I've lost 38 pounds by cleaning up my diet and dropping processed foods. When I found you girls, I started IF and I love it. In my six hour eating window, lunch is a large salad of veggies, seeds, and some meat for protein. Dinner, I try to keep it sensible, usually rice, veggies, and meat, although I don't deny myself if the opportunity arises. My question is, I am never satiated. I never get full. I can eat and eat. Luckily, my brain says, girl, you need to stop. What am I lacking? I take quality supplements, a couple I learned from you. I don't get hungry while I'm fasting, but once I start to eat, I can't stop. Any ideas? I've been IF for about four weeks. Thanks, ladies. Love the podcast. Lastly, we have a question from Naomi, and she actually has multiple questions. Her subject is multiple. (laughs) See below. Um, But I'm just going to read the first one right now, and then we'll address her other two. So her first question is about weight gain and IF, and she says, I started doing IF in mid-July after hearing about it on a blog and found your podcast immediately after, so I've been listening to it for the entirety of my IF journey. I appreciate your honest advice and find it very relaxing to listen to y'all talk. I've been 16-8 since I started, and although my goal wasn't really to lose weight, I'm 21 years old, 5'3", and 130 pounds, I'm not super lean but not overweight, I've actually gained weight since starting IF. I know this is because I tend to binge during my window since I feel like I deserve everything in whatever quantity I want to eat. After a while of 16-8, I got better about this and also started focusing on opening my window with a lot of protein-rich foods, mostly meat, before I would move on to carbs or sugary things. But I've been trying to transition to 18-6 recently and the binging problem came up again. Is 18-6 just too small of a window for me to sustain if I feel the need to eat huge quantities every night since I felt more deprived during the day? To clarify, I do not need to eat as much as I do at night to satisfy my hunger. I just find myself binging because I've made mental notes throughout the day of all the foods I want to eat once my window opens. I know that a lot I know that a lot of people do 18-6 or smaller windows with no problem, so it feels defeatist to just give up on a shorter window already. However, if I eat in such large quantities in a smaller window, tonight I retroactively tallied and ate a little over 3000 calories, then is it just better for me to have a longer window? Even if I don't lose any weight, am I still getting the metabolic and other health benefits of IF? Anything you guys have to say about this would be helpful. Thank you so much. Alrighty, so that's, that's a lot, it's, which is appropriate because it's about 
a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts? That's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot in there. You know, the, this is such a personalized journey and so much of this relates back to that. I want to notice or talk about something I noticed with both Naomi and Karen and as they describe the things that they're eating. Um, Karen talked about eating a large salad, veggie seeds, meat. Then she has rice, veggies, meat. Um, and then Naomi talked about protein-rich foods, carbs, sugary things. I noticed that neither of them mentioned anything about fat. So I wonder if they're not getting enough um, fat in their meals. I know that for me, and we're all different, you know, some people are able to have a low-fat diet and have great satiety because that's just how their bodies work. They're, they're happy with that. Some people do great with a keto diet, and it makes them have great satiety, and, and they, they, have, um, they feel full. Personally, for me, I have to eat sufficient carbs and fat in order to feel like I've had enough food. Like when I was trying to do the keto diet, I never felt full. Like I had to make myself stop eating because I'm like, that was enough food. But I could just eat and eat and eat, you know, those keto foods, and I never felt full. The same thing when I tried low fat and I was trying to do um, some of those plans like that, I could just eat and eat and eat and never feel full. So for me, I needed to have, and for me, starchy carbs are important. I need to have starchy carbs. I need to have, I mean, of course, minimally processed, you know, the bread I make myself, beans, potatoes, real food carbs like that. But I also have to have plenty of butter or sour cream or cream or whatever I'm, I'm adding to my food. Um, you know, it also tastes delicious when you add those things to it. But really, that that's the missing link for me starchy carbs, and plenty of fat um, in my meals. So I, I wonder if you just need to tweak what you're eating, especially Karen and Naomi. Um, you may find that, that you're missing something that your body prefers. When I go back to the first one, Ashley, she talks about um, opening her window with a collagen supplement, and then she has her meal of meat, fat source, and veggie, and then it's later, and it's not every day, but some nights she is binging on um, a variety of foods. She did talk about having plenty of fat. I wonder if the collagen supplement is somehow targeting her hunger or, or increasing her hunger. I'm not sure about that. Um, how about consider trying to have that maybe later in your window instead of opening your window with it? I do find that what I open my window with can make a difference. Certain things will lead me to just more mindless eating if I open with those, whereas other things, again, for me, a carb source, a fat source, something like that really makes a difference for me. There was one um, red flag in Ashley's question. She talked about the fact that she's not getting her period anymore, and she said it doesn't bother her, but I think that might be something to, to pay attention to, Ashley. Of course, I don't know why. It depends on your age. If you're... Um, if, if you're in perimenopause or menopause, of course, that's something that's normal. But if you're not, then I would start to worry about that because our bodies stop having our regular monthly cycle when they feel overstressed, overdieted. You know, you're doing um, HIIT four to five days a week. That's a lot. That's a lot of high-intensity exercise. And so 
that may be driving your body to want you to binge, Ashley, the feeling of um, overstress. We women tend to get into such a, you know, perfectionist type, well, I need to work out, I need to work out hard, and I need to do it four to five days a week, and I need to also do this intermittent fasting, and I need to just eat these healthy foods. And if we over-restrict and over-work out, our bodies can stop having having periods and also drive us to overeat. So please pay attention to this um, sign that I think your body is sending you. And again, like I said, I don't know why your period has stopped. It could be age-related. But if you're not of the age to have you know menopause going on, take this seriously and see how you can maybe try some lower-intensity working out. Um, try yoga or something like that, walking. You don't want to do the high-intensity every single day, and you can overstress your body with that. So I don't know if I've hit all the highlights. Um Naomi did say, you know, maybe she's just better suited to a longer window. And that may be true because some people do better with a shorter window. Some people do better with a longer window. And some people are more likely to to binge if their window is long. Some people are more likely to binge if their window is short. So this is where you really have to tweak and figure out what feels right for your body. So I went all over the place with my answers too. What do you think, Melanie? No, I, I love everything you said. And... Yeah, I have a lot of a lot of random points to address that are kind of all over the place. I don't want to say this is more common than we may think cuz I don't want to make it seem like everybody who's doing intermittent fasting is having all like binge type problems, but I definitely think that just the whole mindset surrounding food and how it relates to our body, especially with today's processed foods which are very hyper palatable and make us want to eat more and more and then just all the stress and all of the self-criticism that we put on ourselves to look a certain way to be a certain way that it definitely just I mean there wouldn't be the whole crazy diet industry if there wasn't this whole problem really with um (laughs) our relationship to food so for all of the listeners for Kat for Ashley for Karen for Naomi for Everybody else, first of all, I just really encourage you to, even with these issues, to be kind to yourself and engaging in unhealthy behavior is not healthy, but still, I believe that we should accept ourselves and, you know, be kind to ourselves in the moment and mindset is huge. So don't be, beat yourself up, basically. Not, not going to help. <laughs> so... Um, and then lot so similar to a lot of things you said, Jen, I agree as well. So some may need a longer window, some may need a shorter window, and they might find that that addresses the problem. So two different potential ways to go there. I like what you said about adding more fat, Jen. Um, it's very possible if you are going, if you're eating super low fat, um, might find that if you have fattier foods, especially in the beginning of your window, that's going to fill you up more and you're not going to need as much later. Another thing is there's a theory that we our bod that when we're eating, we will keep eating, eating, eating until we meet certain nutritional um, requirements. So I encourage you to start your eating window with super nutrient dense foods, whatever that may be for you personally, but you might find that if you're really addressing your body's 
biological needs right at that moment that that might help. So rather than opening up with, you know, snacks or treats or anything like that, that you're starting with nutrient-dense foods like, you know, some nice <laughs> grass-fed meats, some shellfish, some – depending on – I mean, we all crave different things, but really nutrient-rich foods that might help. And then um, – I did like, so I did something I was thinking was, okay, how are your hunger levels during the day? And it seemed like a lot of them actually said that they aren't hungry at all during the day. But then once they start eating, it's like eat, eat, eat. And a reason for that is that during the fast, you upregulate these fat burning mechanisms. So you're, you're full of energy, you're good to go. But then once you do start eating, it switches your body into a completely different state. And it's kind of like, not that the fast never happened, but your body literally is in a different state. And so that's why you can get like hungry again completely because you're no longer running on your stored body fat. You're now running on the food you're eating right now and your body might want more and more and more and more and more, especially if you are over restricting in general or if you are stressed um, or if you are doing too much exercise. So that can be a thing. Or for example, like Ashley, she says that she eats, she's good, but then you get hungry again. So that is actually a pretty common thing as far as like like this is the second wave of hunger. And there are a lot of reasons and a lot of things that be could a lot of things that could be causing that. So like reactive hypoglycemia is a thing so that's something i struggle with so that's where like you eat food and then your pancreas over responds to any of the carbs that you're eating and lowers your blood sugar and so then you get super hungry again a little bit later um that can be a thing so you might want to look at what you're eating it kind of reminds me of rob wolf's book wired to eat which is all about how different foods affect us all completely differently and so that book is all about measuring your blood, your blood markers um, at certain times after your food to see which ones are creating certain blood sugar responses. And so you might want to really look at what you're eating and the composition of what you're eating. Although I know she said she op opens it with like a pretty healthy meal and then gets hungry. Um, so that could be just habitual as well. So speaking of, I've <laughs> often plugged the book, The Yoga of Eating. I love that book because um, I do think that this is often a mindset thing or a habit, especially a lot of them were speaking about just feeling like they deserve it, you know, or that um, I think a lot of people experience this. We turn to food as a comfort, as a treat, as something that we deserve, and it's completely mental rather than what we really need in that moment. So I do really recommend reading The Yoga of Eating, which is really all about that. Also, there's a really good book called Brain Over Binge, and that's all about recognizing that the voices in our head that are saying, eat this food, <laughs> um, are often not us. They're more our, like we can see them as separate and we can respond appropriately. And I've talked about this before on the podcast, but her whole theory, which is interesting, and it sounds really simple and kind of stupid because it's so simple, but it's basically you just say no and you basically just 
say no. Um, <laughs> and uh, it can be actually really effective. And I, it's hard to really explain, but so what I really recommend, uh, you can check out that book. Especially, or for like Naomi, she says that she finds herself binging because she's made mental notes throughout the day of all the food she wants to eat once her window opens. That's probably likely very a mental thing. And I think for like that specifically, Naomi, the food will always be there and you can always have the food and you don't need to think that you have to hit all these things. I think just knowing that you can have the food and that it'll be okay and it'll still be there, that can also really help as well. So it really is a mindset thing and it's way more than anything we could go to in detail on this podcast. We should have like a whole podcast about mindset, but um, there are definitely a lot of resources out there that can help. So if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 53, I'll put links to all of this, but also if you go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like, that's where I put links to all the stuff we like. I do already have links there to these different books, so you can check that out. Yeah, I think I think that's that's important. And I have actually heard um, several people recommend Brain Over Binge. People who are in the Facebook groups have found um, have found that book to be very helpful. So I second that recommendation. It's a fascinating book because so many books. I'm mean, mindful eating does help a lot of people, but so many approaches are about the whole. They're about either like distraction methods, you know, where you go and do other things, or they're about cognitive behavioral therapy, or they're about working through the whys of why that, that that's. It's really a, goes against really overthinking the problem so you don't go into the why am I hungry or why am I feeling this or what's the emotional trigger or how do I need to change my mindset it's literally you just say no and and um and the reason it works is because it separates like I said the 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 innate drive that's kind of like the animalistic part of our being from our our conscious self and then by just saying no, you stop the the brain patterns, and so you you start rewiring your brain basically. But it's it's a very freeing approach because you don't have to do any other like backstory to the mental problem. You're just like nope, <laughs> and then it gets easier and easier. So over time, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a really. It's a completely different approach from all the other ones, but there are a lot of approaches, so you can find what works for you. Yeah, I think that's that's important because just like, you know, there's no one way to eat, there's probably no one reason or one way to, to work on your binge issues. Exactly. And then I guess we didn't answer, Naomi did also say even if she doesn't lose weight, she's still getting the metabolic and other health benefits of IF. And I would say yes. I think Absolutely. we both say yes to that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. All right. So Naomi did have two other questions, but we're sort of running out of time. And we had a lot of other questions we didn't get to as per usual. But we'll have to table all of that for the next episode. So Naomi, if, there, if one person keeps listening, it'll be Naomi, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this has been a wonderful episode. Do you have any thoughts before we wrap things up, Jen? No, not today. 
looking forward to getting to the rest of Naomi's questions next time. Yes. Alrighty. So a few things before we go. So if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 53, that's where we're, that's where we will put show notes. So we'll put references to anything we talked about studies wise. We'll also put links to things that we like, but speaking of, you can also just go to iofpodcast.com slash stuff we like and everything is listed there. So those books will be listed there. Also like the podcast, like I mentioned, and there's a lot of stuff there. It's a treasure trove. A few other things. Uh, we have a new-ish, I still keep saying new, but it is new, um, Instagram account. So you can follow us at IF Podcast, and our, we're slowly getting more and more listeners there, which is pretty exciting. Yay! Also, in you can go to iTunes and you can subscribe to our podcast and then you'll get the episodes downloaded automatically each week. You won't even have to do anything. And while you're in iTunes, we would love, love, love if you could write us a brief review. It really helps more than you could ever know. Alrighty. So, any final thoughts? Nope. Just I will talk to you, I guess, next week. Yes. Alright. Sounds good. See you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, the opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.